Welcome to Busy, Stressed, and Food Obsessed with host and author of the award-winning book of the same name, Lisa Lutan. Lisa has amazing tips to help you slow down, get healthy, manage your time, improve your relationships, and deal with stress. Now, here is Lisa Lutan. Hi, everyone. Welcome to the show. Today, we're going to be talking about relationships, which is one of my favorite, favorite things to talk about. Many of my coaching clients are shocked when they come to visit me for the first time because they think we're going to talk about fats and proteins and carbs. And instead, I'll start off with like, having any fun lately? How are your relationships going? Because we know that health is so much more than just eating kale and riding your bike. If we're not really feeding our souls with things that matter to us, like good relationships and work we care about, creativity, learning new things, then we're going to try and fill those voids with other things like food, alcohol, prescription drugs. You know where I'm going? I talk a lot about this stuff in my book, Busy, Stressed, and Food Obsessed. Yes, it's the same name as the show. But I often say the book could have been called Busy Stressed and Wine Obsessed, Busy Stressed and Technology Obsessed, because the truth is, when we're not living mindfully, we're going to go check out to these different things. And when our relationship is not going well, that's a big time we're going to go to those things. So I would love to hear your thoughts on this. I invite you to pop over to my website, Healthy, Happy, and Hip. Dot com. Yes, healthy, happy, and hip.com. And write me a note. I'd love to hear about it, what you think about all this stuff. And also, while you're there, I urge you to sign up for my newsletter so we can keep in touch and start this conversation. We're going to be talking today with a relationship expert, Abby Rodman, on the warning signs that your marriage might be in trouble. Abby is a psychotherapist, blogger, and the Amazon author of the Amazon bestseller book, Without This Ring, which is a woman's guide to successfully living through and beyond midlife divorce. But see, Abby is a total rock star. She has been on the Today Show, not once, but twice. She's been on HuffPost Live. She's writing for places all over the place, and she's a sought-after expert. I am so honored to have her on the show today. Hi, Abby. Welcome to the show. Hi, Lisa. I'm so excited to be here with you because you know I am one of your biggest fans and followers. So thank you very much for having me. Oh, it is such a treat for me. Before we start talking, I want to ask you my five Ask Every Guest questions. So, Abby, what did you have for breakfast today? I actually had a smoothie for breakfast today. Um, And it had some whey protein in it, some almond milk, some almond butter, some kale, you know, just a bunch of things. And it was really, really good. It sounds delish. It was okay. delicious. <laughs> Yum. Okay, next question. What is your favorite workout? Um, I would say, you know, I love walking. Um, I don't know if that's really uh, um, what you're looking for, but I live near, I'm very lucky to live near a very um, wooded area. And being able to walk in those woods with my dog is, you know, one of the most 
you know, joyous moments of my day. So whether that's a workout or not, that is how no, I, I think that's a. Up. I think that's a great thing, and I think I have to change the question to what's your favorite way to move your body. So thank you for that clarification. <laughs> I'm, I'm definitely going to take note of that. Okay, is there a habit that you are either trying to break or add to your life? Yeah, I think they're one, you know, almost one and the same. One is to, you know, stop um, bad eating habits and, you know, incorporate more good eating habits um, at the same time. And, you know, unfortunately for me, this has been um, something I've struggled with for a long time. Um, But, you know, I'm very mindful of it, and uh, hence the um, smoothie for breakfast. Um, But, you know, it's not, it doesn't always go my way. (laughs) <laughs> so, um, or the way I'd like it to go. So that's something that's always kind of dangling out there for me. I think you're in very good company with that one. I can, we can talk later about that. <laughs> uh, so, Abby, how do you spend the first hour of your day or like your early morning? Well, you know, I go through phases. Um, when I'm in a really good phase, I am getting up in the morning and I am writing. Um, whether that's blogging or working on another book or, um, you know, just gathering my thoughts. Um, on not so good days, I'm like a lot of people I know. I'm, you know, on my iPhone, I'm checking emails, I'm reading articles, you know, especially when you have, you know, all the, um, things going on um, right now, like we have with the debates and the presidential election, and it's hard to stay away from that stuff. So um, the good days are when I sit down and write, and the more distracted days are the ones where I'm scrolling through my feeds. I actually love hearing people's answers to that question. It's, it's really quite fascinating. So my last question is, who is someone in your life that inspires you? Oh, that's such a good question. Uh, um, I would say that, you know, it's hard because there are, there are many, several. Um, but when you, when you first asked that, what popped to mind was my husband um, because he is um, so supportive of the kind of work that I do um, that it inspires me to do even more and to do it even better and not – not like he's judging the quality of my work, but he makes me want to um, make him proud of me and um, be, you know, proud of the work that I do. And it inspires me to, to do that. That is so great, especially with because of what we're talking about today. So I'm so thrilled that that was your answer. So before we delve into the warning signs of relationships, Abby, tell us about you, how you got started, and what brought you to do the kind of work that you're doing now. Well, you know, it's interesting. I, um, I always dreamed of writing. You know, I always dreamed that I could sit down and I could write something and, and people would actually want to read it. And, um, but I was married my, in my first marriage for a very long time, and um, it wasn't really going to be acceptable for me in that marriage to sit down and start writing about my kids and my life and, and, and especially my marriage and my ex-husband. And so I kind of, you know, just, you know, I, I shoved it all under the carpet, and I and I just ignored that drive to to write. 
And then when um, I was going through a divorce, I, um, I thought, okay, there's no reason for me not to do this anymore. And um, I am a psychotherapist, and, and, and I have been for many years, and so, you know, most of my expertise and training is in relationships. Um, and that kind of segued into me writing about marriage and divorce and parenting um, and all of the, you know, things that we all grapple with in those arenas. Um, and that's how I got to the place where I thought, you know, um, I have things that I want to say to people, and I want people to know that they are not alone um, in their experiences. And I know that when I was um, getting a divorce in midlife, there wasn't a book for me to pick up and read and feel like, okay, this person gets what I'm going through. And so that's how Without This Ring was born because um, I wanted to give to, um, and I know men have read it too, but you know, I wanted especially to offer and extend to women a community in a sense to, um, to be able to um, you know, say, oh, okay, you know, other people are going through this. I'm not alone. So that's kind of a long answer to a short question. <laughs> no, I think it's a, a really important. And, and there's something that I picked up on that you said early on in that was that when you were in your first marriage, you didn't feel like you could write. I'm, I'm guessing it was not a safe place to be vulnerable, which as a writer, we have to be, you know, to share that intimate stuff that others can relate to. And I'm wondering, is that even a warning sign, you know, that the relationship might not be great for you if you don't feel like you can express yourself? Or was it something more than that? You know, I think that Believe it or not, I had never um, looked at it that way before, um, and I think that that's a pretty um, profound way to look at it. You know, just the, the, the idea that I wasn't free or safe enough to be able to sit down and, um, you know, get, get pen to paper and, and start putting my thoughts out there was absolutely a warning sign that, you know, uh, this was not um, the right environment for me. So was it when you were going through your divorce that you actually started writing? Actually, yes. It was almost immediate. Um, and it was a, it's, you know, I mean, you write and you know it's kind of a, um, uh, you know, one step forward, two steps back process until you really find your voice and you find, you know, your 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 niche and, and what you want to put out into the world. And, you know, even when I started blogging, blogging wasn't, um, you know, as, in a sense, um, available as it is now. I mean, you know, I mean, it's very, very easy to have a blog now and, you know, even not so many years ago, it was it was a more complex, um, you know, rigmarole to to even get pl- blog posts up on the internet. So, um, but I kept going and um, found my voice and um, have really been happy with it ever since. And and we're all happy with it as well because your writing is amazing. Oh, now I'm wondering, you. I'm wondering, like as a psychotherapist and you know all the therapists that I know are trained to keep their lives very private. Was that hard for you, you know, to go out there and share, you know, with so much vulnerability, your own life and your own issues after having your training in in another way? 
Absolutely. And, you know, it's an ongoing struggle. Um, and I have had clients come into my office and say, um, you know, I know that you've written books, I know that you blog, but I don't want to know anything about that. And I say, that's great. You know, that's the kind of distance that they need to, um, you know, to have in, in the context of therapist-client relationship. Fully respect that. But it's an ongoing struggle for me because I, the, the longer I write, the more personal things I do discuss. Um, and, and, I do, and I absolutely have parameters and boundaries in places I, I really will not, will, will not write about. Um, but I, I kind of leave it to, you know, up to the client. If they find me online and they decide that they want to read a little bit more about my personal life, that's great. If they want nothing to do with it, that's great too. But, yes, personally, it's, it's still a struggle. But, um, but I keep doing it, so I must, be, I must be overcoming it. Well, I think, you know, I know that I, too, in my writing, I, I get very, very honest. And you've probably heard these words all the time. Oh, you're so brave, you know, for sharing what you share. Mm-hmm. But I think that the more that we do share what's really going on inside, I think it gives people the freedom to say, I'm not alone. She gets me. You know, I'm I'm not as crazy as I thought I was. Mm-hmm. And I think that's that's really where the gift comes is where we can start helping people is when they realize that they're not alone in the, in the whatever struggle they're going through. So let's jump into what some warning signs are that your marriage or relationship might be in trouble. Where do we begin? <laughs> yeah, I know. It's it's um you know, I think we begin by um you know, or someone should begin by trusting their gut. Um, and, you know, really, you know, your gut will tell you, your, your psyche and your body will tell you when things are not what they should be in your life. Um, and it's, and in my book, Without This Ring, um, my midlife divorce book, you know, I talk about this phase um, of, acknowledging, you know, that the marriage may not be, um, you know, what it should be. And um, I call this phase enlightenment. And, um, you know, one thing I know I did when I, when my marriage was, um, was suffering was I would look at other couples and try to compare my marriage to, to other couples. You know, what, what was their relationship like? Was my, was my relationship like theirs? Um, because you really are, like a, a marriage is in a sense um, like a vacuum. You, the only marriage you know is the one you're in. Um, and, but, you know, obviously looking at other relationships is no measure of anything. Um, because you never, ever know what is going on in somebody else's marriage. Um, but, you know, this is a time when you're, you know, you might notice your interests are shifting, you're looking at books on the topic, podcasts, blog posts, <laughs> you're listening to Lisa Lutan's radio show today, um, because you, you know that you're trying to figure it out. You're gathering information, and that really is kind of the very first um, step to either, you know, acknowledging that the marriage is needs help, um, or you know, trying to figure out what next. 
And is enlightenment something that is a few weeks, months, years? You know, it's for me, it took years. Um, and I think, you know, nobody gets married um, hoping that they'll get divorced. Um, so, you know, there's, you know, so people can put off a decision like this for a really, really long time. Um, you know, even, even in fixable situations, you know, people tend to ignore, um, you know, the warning signs, um, which is a really dangerous thing to do um, because, you know, the longer you let things go, kind of the more embedded they get into the fabric of the relationship. Wow. Wow. So this is something that over years you came to realize. Is that true? Like for most of your clients that it takes years to really realize this? Like what about that person that gets married and they go, oh my God, I made a big mistake right away. Yeah. I mean, I don't think you hear those stories um, very often. They absolutely happen, um, but they're not very common. Um, the more common scenario is a marriage that's disintegrating over, usually over a period of years. Um, and, you know, there's kind of a, a, an idea in the, in the psychotherapy world that, you know, it takes seven years for um, the average couple to acknowledge that something's going wrong in the marriage to when they get around to doing something about it, which in this instance, would be divorce. So So we're going to have to go to a break right now. But for all of you who just joined us, I'm talking to Abby Rodman, and we're discussing warning signs that your marriage might be in trouble. And you're listening to Lisa Lutan. We will be back shortly after the break and taking your calls. Stay tuned. Follow us on Twitter at VoiceAmericaTRN. Get the lowdown on guests, new shows, and your favorites. That's VoiceAmericaTRN. Are you a busy, stressed, and hungry go-getter who knows what to do to get healthier but has trouble doing it? The problem with popular diets is that they were designed for other people, not you. Sure, they might work for the short term, but for the longer term results, you need a plan designed specifically for your unique body and lifestyle. How about the stress in your life? Do you ever stop and take a deep breath? Do you know what all this stress is doing to your health? Healthy living strategist and author of Busy, Stressed, and Food Obsessed, Lisa Lutan will get you on your way with coaching, online courses and challenges, and even retreats. You will learn tips and strategies to help you calm down, get healthy, and make you feel and look better than ever. For a limited time, Lisa Lutan is offering a free 15-minute breakthrough session to help you get started feeling better right away. Just visit HealthyHappyAndHip.com to get your free 15-minute breakthrough strategy session. That's HealthyHappyAndHip. Yes, you heard it right. HealthyHappyAndHip.com and enter your info in the contact page. Find out what's happening on the Voice America Talk Radio Network by keeping up with us on Twitter. You can find us at Voice America TRN. You 
are listening to Busy, Stressed, and Food Obsessed. To reach the program today, please call 1-866-472-5792. Again, that's 1-866-472-5792. Feel like sending an email instead? Send it to Lisa at HealthyHappyAndHip.com. Now, back to Busy, Stressed, and Food Obsessed. Here again is Lisa Lutan. Welcome back to the show. I'm talking with Abby Rodman, relationship expert, on the warning signs that your marriage might be in trouble. I did get an email, Abby, that I would like to share with you from a listener. Uh, It's jumping ahead, but let's just go for it. She asks, is there any research or long-term studies on the impact of divorce for young adult children, in particular, the success of their future intimate relationships? That's a really good question. It's a, it's a very thoughtful question. Um, yes, the answer is yes. The short answer is yes. There's been exhaustive research on the topics, and unfortunately, I don't have those, um, I don't have them in front of me, but I, I definitely could get some of them for your, for your listener. Um, but, you know, the reality is, is that the research has, has come down on both sides of the fence, which doesn't do much for people like your, your caller um, because it, it just kind of keeps you in that space of not knowing. Um, so, you know, there's research that shows that, that kids are, are adversely affected, and there's research that shows that, you know, that there, there can also be benefits to kids not living in a tense and unhappy um, household. So that's the, you know, that's, it. I know it's not, you know, a definitive answer. And I think that, you know, as you read through the research, you see that, you know, there's a lot of, um, there's a lot of controversy in, in this topic, you know, that there, that there are definitely people and researchers who have found that, you know, this is, you know, really detrimental to kids. And there are others who found, you know, not so much. You know, there was something in your book that blew me away and it was related to this. It was with kids and you were talking about how they're, you know, in a case where one partner had an affair or something like that. And, there's a natural want or need to tell the children what happened, you know, and that later on the children will eventually turn against the parent that shared the information. I'm not explaining it that well, but can you talk about that? Cause I was, I thought that was fascinating. You know, this is something that, you know, I see a lot in my practice where when, when, when someone comes to therapy and their spouse has had an affair, they're, they're obviously devastated. And, and the pain is so huge, they really don't know what to do with it. But one of the things that they really want to do, just kind of a knee-jerk reaction, is to hurt their partner back. And one way people do that is by involving their kids and telling their kids that the other parent has had an affair. I am not kidding when I tell you I beg my clients not to do this. Um, there is so there are so many things wrong with that decision that I don't think that you and I could cover it in this hour. But specifically, what you're asking about is you know what I wrote about in my book that you know if you if you are the parent, the hurt uh, partner, and you tell your kids about your spouse's affair, 
initially the kids, you know, if you rally the troops behind you and they get in your corner and dad is a terrible person or mom's a horrible person, that doesn't last. It may last for some period of time, but eventually um, the kids will react in a way where they become, as they, as they mature, they realize that this is something that they never should have known about and that it has done tremendous damage, perhaps, to their relationship with the other parent. And so what happens is they get angry at the parent who revealed the affair because they, you know, they realize that it's an irresponsible um, kind of, you know, n- not a healthy parental choice. And when we tell kids about affairs, we're asking them to process something they know nothing about. And that's why it may take a while for kids to get to, you know, the anger at the parent um, who told them, but they always get there. I just find that absolutely fascinating and something I hope our listeners who are in that situation are hearing because it's just the opposite of what you would imagine. So I think that's just so, so interesting. Um, Moving back to some warning signs um, about your marriage and trouble, there was something in your book also I found so interesting. It was a section on kind of emotional abuse and can you talk about that? Because, again, those are things that might not seem obvious mm. to someone in a relationship that is emotionally abusive. Yeah, emotional abuse, um, well, um, in, in my book that we've mentioned, um, my book on midlife divorce, um, the number one reason, I, I, let, let, let me preface this by saying that I did research um, as, part of, uh, as part of the book, Without This Ring, and I, I um, interviewed many hundreds of women um, about their experiences with divorce, and they answered questionnaires, and I gathered their research. So the number one reason that women in midlife gave for ending their marriages was emotional or psychological abuse. That was the number one reason. And I was really, really surprised by that, um, that it resonated so, you know, so profoundly over so many uh, people. And, you know, for someone to say that they were emotionally or psychologically abused is... um, is is hopeful because it means that they've come out the other side and they've realized, you know, this is what was happening in my marriage. Um, emotional abuse is um, basically a systematic way that one partner um, gets the other partner uh, to almost disappear. So that when you're being emotionally abused, yourself starts to disappear because you are getting constant messaging from your abuser that you're not good enough, you're not pretty enough, you're not thin enough, um, you're a terrible mother, you're, you're stupid. Um, whatever the abuser needs to do to make you start to wither away. So you become almost like a non-person. And your whole um, universe starts to be starts to become what your abuser says it is. So it's, it's a really hard thing to recognize. It usually doesn't happen immediately at the beginning of relationships, but it, but it happens over time gradually. Um, and it takes a lot for someone to be able to say, you know what, I think 
I'm in an abusive situation because it's so insidious and so, you know, um, it's almost like well mapped out by the abuser that before you know it, you're in an abusive relationship and you didn't see it coming. And I think it's so important to point out that this is happening to smart, successful, competent women. This is not, you know, that men are looking for, and I don't like even to say men because it could be the opposite, but that the abuser per se is looking for some weak, you know, cohort. But how do these really confident other ways in their lives, women or men, find themselves in these relationships? That's a good question as well. Um, I think that, you know, so much of, so many of the choices we make in life are informed by, you know, the circumstances of our families of origin. And someone can absolutely go on to fame and fortune and, and, you know, the highest of graduate degrees, but they still are, you know, the embodiment of, you know, what they saw growing up, how their parents or caretakers treated each other, how their parents or caretakers treated them. So a lot of times there's repetition um, in, you know, and we all do this. We choose what we know. And um, what we know doesn't always present itself in the way that we are familiar with. You know, it's the, it's the sheep in wolf's clothing kind of mentality. You think, oh, well, this person is nothing like my father or nothing like my mother. But in fact, um, they are. They just haven't gotten there yet. So interesting. Fascinating. Um, Let's talk a little bit about communication. When I, a friend of mine was getting remarried a couple of years ago, and as a gift, some friends got together and we made a little video um, asking, interviewing people, what's the successful secret, you know, for a good marriage? And everyone said again and again, communication, communication, good communication. But what does good communication look like in a healthy marriage? And what does bad communication look like? Well, you know, I agree with that. I think it's good communication. And, you know, that is really the only thing that a couple's therapist can help you with. A couple's therapist can't fix fix your marriage. A couple's therapist can only help you communicate more effectively and better. Um, So um, poor communication looks like there are never any easy conversations between you. You know, things are tense, things are anxious, um, there's a lot of anger. Um, if, you, if you are suspecting that your marriage may not be, be working and you go to your partner about your concerns and he or she dismisses them, then, you know, that's poor communication because it, it, it's not only is it, you know, um, diminishing to you because you've, you've tried to have this difficult conversation, but it also shows that your partner really isn't interested in your concerns anymore, or maybe they never were. But um, so that's, that's an example of, um, of poor communication. It's just, um, it's just that we all know what it feels like when we're with a good friend and the conversation is flowing easily um, and we don't have that at home with our spouses, then we, then we know that there's a communication issue. Um, the, the other piece of the communication, and this is almost conversely, um, which is 
over-talking about the issues in the marriage. Um, this is also poor communication because um, if you are constantly discussing um, all of the you know, deficiencies in the marriage, the marriage never gets to rest or heal. So, you know, in more functional marriages or relationships, people have disagreements, they work on resolving them, and they hopefully move on. But if you and your partner are constantly revisiting the dissatisfaction in the marriage or bringing up things from the past or saying, I'm not happy, then this is not a healthy, normative way of communicating uh, in a marriage either. So it can run the gamut from you know, not talking uh, at all to, you know, talking way too much and focusing way too much on on what might be wrong with the relationship. And is that something that, you know, therapy can help couples with, like learning to communicate better? Or is it, the, or is it like a chemistry thing that some people just relate and talk to each other well? Or tell us more about that. Yeah, I mean, I think that... <laughs> You know, it's, um, I think there is some chemistry involved, but I also think that things can disrupt that chemistry. I mean, they're, you know, not all marriages that end in divorce started out poorly. So, you know, somewhere along the way, something got lost, um, whether that thing was um, trust, whether that thing was, um, you know, kind of a passion for the other person and the relationship. Maybe kids are involved, um, which definitely distracts people from their from their marriages. Um, so there's, you know, there can be a lot of reasons why a formerly decent communicative relationship kind of goes south. Um, but the trick is, if you have it at the beginning. Uh, not everybody does, but if, you, if you're lucky enough to have it at the beginning, then you really have to figure out a way to nurture that and keep that, keep that piece of the relationship alive because ultimately, um, you know, if you continue to find your, your partner enjoyable to be with, if you find their, um, their conversation to be um, stimulating or interesting, those are the things that are going to be the glue of the relationship which also translates into a lovely friendship. So then I just want to make sure I'm understanding this. If you find yourself discussing the relationship often, that might indeed be a warning sign. Well, discussing the relationship often in itself, checking checking in with your relationship. I'm sorry. I'm sorry, discussing the problems of the relationship. Right, discussing the problems is, you know, if that's something, if you never get to move beyond that, if you're, if you're constantly revisiting, you know, the issues and the old wounds and the, and the, you know, all the, you know, all the things that have kind of gone wrong in the relationship and that's the bulk of the conversation you have about your marriage, then that's, that's not the way it's supposed to look. Right. There should be a, a better ratio, I guess. Absolutely. Happiness to unhappiness ratio. Is there like a good percentage? You know, like what percentage of the time should be just like happy, easy versus, you know, discussing the relationship and conflict? Is it like an 80-20 rule? Well, there is a 70-30 rule, and I'm not sure if it's John Gottman or some, another researcher, but there's, um, you know, there's this 70-30 rule, which is, you know, that a relationship should be 70% good. And, you know, that's, that's completely subjective, right? So, you know, you have to 
you have to ask, you know, you, you're grading your own relationship in a sense. You know, nobody else is going to, you know, come into your home and say, you know what, um, Abby, I think your relationship is more 60-40 than 70-30. So, <laughs> you know, it's, you know, so it's, if a relationship is 70% good and you can say that with, you know, with kind of confidence, then that's, that's optimal because no relationship is ever going to get you to, hundred percent. We only have a couple minutes till the break, but I want to talk about, and we can continue after, just what do you do when a friend or a relative is complaining about their relationship all the time? Do you bring it up that like, hey, maybe this doesn't, isn't going so well? You know, let's, let's talk about that for a little bit. Yeah. I mean, I think it depends on your relationship with the person and what you know, what kind of rapport you have with them. I don't think that it's um, necessarily a bad thing to enlighten someone with that kind of observation because really sometimes people are so far into the weeds, they don't even know, you know, what it is that, that they're doing or talking about or they don't understand that, you know, that, that these are, you know, repetitious complaints that never seem to resolve. And sometimes people need someone to say, hey, look, this doesn't seem like this is, you know, heading in a good direction, or it doesn't seem like you guys are, are you know, resolving anything. What, what, what do you think would be a good idea to do next? Right, right. So I'm speaking with Abby Rodman, who is a relationship expert. We're talking about the warning signs that your marriage or relationship might be in trouble. We are accepting callers and emails of your questions. We're on Busy Stressed and Food Obsessed Radio. This is Lisa Lutan. We will be back shortly, and we'll be talking about more warning signs, and I really invite you to ask your questions Take advantage of this amazing opportunity, and we will see you shortly after the break. Follow us on Twitter at VoiceAmericaTRN. Get the lowdown on guests, new shows, and your favorites. That's VoiceAmericaTRN. Are you a busy, stressed, and hungry go-getter who knows what to do to get healthier but has trouble doing it? The problem with popular diets is that they were designed for other people, not you. Sure, they might work for the short term, but for the longer term results, you need a plan designed specifically for your unique body and lifestyle. How about the stress in your life? Do you ever stop and take a deep breath? Do you know what all this stress is doing to your health? Healthy living strategist and author of Busy, Stressed, and Food Obsessed, Lisa Lutan will get you on your way with coaching, online courses and challenges, and even retreats. You will learn tips and strategies to help you calm down, get healthy, and make you feel and look better than ever. For a limited time, Lisa Lutan is offering a free 15-minute breakthrough session to help you get started feeling better right away. Just visit HealthyHappyAndHip.com to get your free 15-minute breakthrough strategy session. That's HealthyHappyAndHip. Yes, you heard it right. HealthyHappyAndHip.com and enter your info in the contact page. Find out what's happening on the Voice America Talk Radio Network by keeping up with us on Twitter. You can find us at Voice America TRN. You 
You're listening to Busy, Stressed, and Food Obsessed. To reach the program today, please call 1-866-472-5792. Again, that's 1-866-472-5792. Feel like sending an email instead? Send it to Lisa at HealthyHappyAndHip.com. Now, back to Busy, Stressed, and Food Obsessed. Here again is Lisa Lutan. Hey, welcome back to the show. I'm here with Abby Rodman, relationship expert, and we're talking about warning signs that your marriage might be in trouble. I just got an email from a listener asking about the warning signs for an affair. Now, I remember as a kid watching movies, and it was always like lipstick on the collar, you know, something (laughs) like that. But what what are some signs that we should be looking out for? Yeah, this is... um... This is a pretty um, common reason that couples end up in um, therapy and, um, you know, and I hear it also from individuals who come to therapy as well that, um, you know, that that they suspect an affair or there has been an affair. Fortunately, it's not uncommon. So, you know, if you're wondering um, if your spouse um, may be cheating, um, the first thing you have to um, think about is, um, why you're thinking that. So, you know, people who don't suspect their spouses don't walk around wondering usually whether they're having an affair. So there's a reason why you're thinking that. Um, so just word to the wise, you're not crazy. Um, your gut, again, is telling you something. Your radar has gone up for some reason. And, you know, there are all of the kind of well-known, you know, cues that someone might be having an affair. You know, they buy a whole new wardrobe they lose a ton of weight, all of a sudden they're back in the gym every day, they start wearing new cologne, listening to new music, um, I should say cologne or perfume. Um, and so there's, you know, there, you know any kind of um, drastic or sudden changes in behaviors um, are pretty common signals that um, your spouse is maybe, you know, either considering an affair or interested in someone else, or maybe in actually in a full-blown affair. Um, there's, um, you know, there are other, you know, less obvious um, ones, but, um, you know, there's, there's secretiveness um, around computers and cell phones. Your spouse may come home from work, and, and you might notice that they're mentioning um, some, uh, someone else at work a lot um, in their conversations. Uh, so there's, or using, you know, expressions or talking in a way that they normally would not. So all of these things, I mean, and there are so many, can, um, can be signals that, you know, it could be that your spouse may be involved with someone else or possibly considering. So, okay, so for our listeners, so let's say somebody's going, oh, my God, you know, my spouse is doing that. What would be the first step? Like, do you confront somebody? Do you sneak and read their email and their text? Like, what's, what do they do when they find out or, or suspect? What's the right way to handle this like an adult? You know, I think that the only way to do it is to communicate about it, and that is to you know, I mean, if you do not have any hard evidence, okay, so say you have soft evidence that your spouse might be having an affair, what you want 
to do is approach them in a non-accusatory way and say something like, you know, I, I've been reading about, you know, what happens when people are having an affair and, you know, having an affair and it seems like, you know, you're hitting a lot of the, the marks on the list. I just, I just want to know, you know, is there something going on that I should know about? Um, if you have hard evidence, like an email or a text message or, you know, whatever it might be, you know, the conversation is obviously going to be, um, is going to be a lot different. And um, the usual kind of course of events is that people will initially deny, um, you know, deny. Why is that? Why is it like in every movie? No, I didn't do that. Like, why (laughs) do people just do that? Uh, I because I don't think that having an affair necessarily means that you want to lose what you have at home. So, you know, so people get scared. You know, they might be thinking, oh, this is going to be at the end of this, and I don't want it to be the end of this. And it, so in, why in a way, are they it doing a, it? What's that? Why are they doing it then? Why are so many people having affairs if they don't want to lose what they have at home? Because they're looking for the puzzle piece that they do not have in their marriage. So whatever that puzzle piece is, that's what they're looking for. And we all have them. Even in good marriages, there are puzzle pieces that are missing or puzzle pieces that have gotten lost under the couch somewhere. You know, there, and there are just these, these holes. And depending on how important that puzzle piece is to that person, they will seek it elsewhere if they feel they can't find it in the marriage. So whether so, it's, go ahead, sorry. So it's kind of like what I said in the beginning about filling the voids. You know, I talked about filling voids in our life with alcohol or food mm-hmm. or, so this is another way to fill a void. I never really looked at it like that. Absolutely. I think that's a great way to put it. You know, there's, you know, it doesn't necessarily, um, you know, I, I mean, you've heard, we've all heard, you know, an affair is just a symptom that something's wrong in a marriage. And, you know, that's a little, you know, vague, but in, in some ways it is, it is true. But people who have affairs are not necessarily looking to leave their marriages. And that, you know, getting back to what we're talking about denial, I mean, so when, they're, when an affair is exposed, they want to protect you know, the, the possibility that, that their marriage might be over or they don't want it to end. And so they deny, deny, deny. So if a marriage is going to survive an infidelity, what has to happen? Well, people definitely work through, I'm sorry, people definitely work through affairs. Um, and, um, it doesn't always signal the end of the marriage, although it may feel that way initially. But when couples really, truly work through affairs, and this is a really hard thing for a lot of people to do because they're so wounded by their their partner's affair, ultimately they have to be able to step back and take a more global look at the relationship and what was going on in the relationship when the spouse decided to have an affair. This is not about self-blame. This is not about taking responsibility for your spouse's affair because that was your spouse's decision. But, 
you know, if you say we had the perfect relationship and I was the perfect spouse and I did everything perfectly and my spouse went out and had an affair, that's probably not true. Can it be true in, in rare circumstances? Yes, but most people in satisfying and healthy relationships are not out looking for affairs. So it does come down to, at some point, both partners being able to identify where those puzzle pieces were missing in the relationship. Sometimes they're small, sometimes they're huge, and then they get to a place where they can agree that these things were happening in the relationship and they work on them together. So it's an opportunity for inquiry into the relationship, in other words. Absolutely. But it's also a necessary inquiry because you're never going to, you know, if you can't understand why something happened, there isn't a very good chance that you're going to be able to incorporate that into, you know, healing from, from the event. So can people go on after something like a betrayal like that and go on to have a really happy marriage after that? Or is it something that kind of lingers, you know, in that hurt victims, you know, psyche for years to come? People can absolutely go on to have happy marriages after affairs. Usually the marriage looks different. Um, and feels different when couples are able to do that because now they've changed, you know, as I always say, like every couple has a rule book. And so an affair um, creates an opportunity to rewrite that rule book, to say, okay, here are the things that are acceptable, here are the things that are not, here are the things we need to focus on and work on, things we need to be sensitive to. I don't for a minute think that someone who's been betrayed um, ever completely is brainwashed of that experience. But if they see their partner really recommitting to the marriage, working on it, um, and, and putting all of their energies into creating a better marriage, yes, people can absolutely move forward and find themselves in a better place than they were before the affair. So interesting. There was, I remember in your book, there was a a woman that had not really dealt with it. And then years later, she had an affair and left her husband. And then that new, she got remarried and the marriage kind of fell apart because she had never dealt with Mm -hmm. the whole issue. I guess they had swept it under the rug. Could you talk about that a little bit? Sure. I mean, I think that, you know, once an affair is discovered, you can't, you can't just say, oh, well, well, that's behind us and let's just move on. It doesn't work that way because it's just always going to be, in a sense, in the room with you, um, you know, until you work on it and look at it and dissect it. So, yes, this, this uh, person that I talked about in my book and, of course, you know, my my uh, my subjects and my and my books are always um, heavily edited so as not to you know identify any particular person. Um, but what happened in the situation I talked about was, as you said, her husband had an affair, and then 20 years later, um, she has an affair um, because she was, in a way, kind of unconsciously acting out um, all of these years later, and her rebellion, in a sense, did ultimately take the marriage down, and not with great results. So 
Um, you know, there was a lot of anger, a lot of regret, but really stemming from the fact that the affair was never processed um, and that they chose to just kind of pretend it didn't happen. So as we're, we're getting closer to the close of the show, I want to give listeners maybe some things that are positive that they can infuse into their relationship right now just to help their relationship. Any tips or thoughts like uh, on that line? Yeah, I do think that, you know, in some ways that being um, grateful to someone who's sharing your life is almost more important than love. And in, and by that I mean the people need to hear, um, you know, what it is that they bring to your life that really makes your life a great place to be. So I always encourage couples, go home, tell your spouse how much you appreciate the things that they do for you, for your family, for your home, um, you know, all of, you know, all of the things that they bring to the table that makes them unique and special. And, you know, and couples don't, couples rarely do this. Couples rarely look at each other and say, you know what, thank you so much for, you know, all that you do for us. Because we just kind of go about our daily routines and we don't stop to say, wow, if it weren't for this person doing this, I might not be able to do that. So, you know, you're a team and it's just like, you know, football players huddled together and, you know, giving each other, you know, pep talks and making each other feel good about, you know, the next play. That's what we need to do in marriage. I couldn't agree with you more. I mean, I remember like early on in my relationship with my husband, he'd be like, oh, I love you. And I go, why? Why? (laughs) And and he could never answer it. And I was like, I need to know why. And I think that, you know, it is really important that we are clear on our why. You know, why do I love you? And why do you love me? And again, that appreciation thing, there's just never enough of that, is there? No, I don't think, and I think, I think that's such a, you know, a burning question, your, you know, your why, because, you know, I love you becomes just kind of a catchphrase after a while, right? You know, the person's leaving the house or hanging up the phone, I love you, you know, and it's not, you know, it, it starts to lose kind of the luster. So now we want to know more, like, well, okay, so tell me what, it, what makes me different and special from the other person that you're not married to, you know, let make me feel good about what I bring to you. Absolutely. I think we have to do a whole other, you know, session on keeping, keeping the spark alive. That will be our next, uh, our next interview. I love it. But, you know, we're getting down to the end. Abby, tell people, listeners, how they can reach you and your website and your book and all that very quickly. (laughs) (laughs) Um, My website is abbyrodman.com. Um, you can find my books on Amazon. Um, I have three books on Amazon about relationships, marriage, and divorce. I'm on Twitter at Abby Rodman. And um, my website's full of lots of, you know, tips and advice and free stuff. Um, so I would be thrilled to, to um, you know, answer any questions if people want to email me, um, info at abbyrodman.com. And, um You know, Lisa, you know, we can't do the work we do unless we know what people need from us. 
Right. So all of you stay in touch. Thanks for listening today. Abby, thank you so much for coming on the show. It's been such a pleasure. Thank you. We hope you've enjoyed today's episode on busy, stressed, and food obsessed. Did you get some great ideas from today's show? Join Lisa Lutan again next Thursday at 9 a.m. Pacific Time and 12 noon Eastern Time on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. Have a great week.